Do you hate your job? Of course you do. So do Liz and Noah. Now it's time to join their conversation so you can figure out how to quit your soul-crushing job. When Can I Quit My Job? Episode 16. There are, if you're going to buy income-producing real estate, as in, let's just start with residential, Mm -hmm. there are a few ways you can get into it. There is one bring the upfront cash. If you have the cash, you can buy it. And then as soon as you get it rented out, which a lot of times will include, if you're going to make a profit, you'll probably have to rehab it. You'll probably have to fix it up, put some time and effort into it or pay people to do it. So it's either going to cost you time or effort. The only way to really make a profit, basically you will buy a house that has sound interior and a shitty exterior and you'll fix the exterior and that's how you're going to make money on it so fix the paint on the walls and knock down a wall and it'll have an open concept or something like that and that's how you're going to make money on it because otherwise you're going to buy it for what it's worth and you're not going to really make much profit on it so so one way to do that is to provide the cash up front another way is to take a bank loan and a lot of times those bank loans have contingencies and sometimes they'll have uh, what's called a variable interest rate which means when and if the economy tanks they're gonna shoot up your interest rate and you're gonna be fucked like you're you're not gonna be able to make those payments anymore because you're taking out a loan that's worth more than your net worth basically mm-hmm. like we looked into buying a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fourplex downtown Fort Wayne which was five times our net worth and if you know we're making a monthly payment pay basically pay off a portion of the loan but also an interest rate if they crank that interest rate up to say 10 percent let's see that's twenty five thousand dollars a year which is uh two thousand dollars a month if they crank that up from five percent to ten percent overnight that's cranking it up by what I just say, a thousand dollars a month, and if we're only bringing in a profit of five hundred dollars a month, that means overnight yeah. we're not profitable and we can't sustain that, and that could basically yeah. throw us into bankruptcy. So that's a consideration. It's not always a variable interest rate, but that's a huge concern. And then the other way to get into real estate on that level is so you either have to have money or knowledge, and you have to like. If you know the ins and the outs and everything about real estate, you can find a deal. And if you can find deals, money will find you. So like you can find investors because investors, like on the level of like basically people who are millionaires, they can't find enough places to put their money to make them what they think it should be earning. Because you can put it in plenty of places to make 6%. But real estate is unique. Real estate... Mm -hmm is one of the only places you can make 10 plus percent per year, which is another reason I wanted to get into it. And if you can find a place for someone to put 200,000, 300, 400, a million or more dollars, and they can make a pretty sure 10 to 12% on it, they're gonna just come chasing after you. Like, and if you have the know-how and say like, especially if you have experience. So 
you can have you you either have to be like a genius up front and say I know all this and this and this about it, and if you put it here, it's going to make this much per percent guaranteed or more. You'll be able to find investors, and once you do that once or twice, then you'll be able to move on to four or five million dollar deals. If you do that ten or twenty times, you can move on to twenty, fifty million million dollar deals. So that's one way to do it. But for yeah. for me, I know I'm going on. Oh, you're good. On a soapbox here, but. No, this is a lot about you, so that's fine. It's all about me, baby. <laughs> it's about us, though. It is. Because of the potential downfalls that would be tied to a recession, which, because of other reasons and other things I have learned about and studied, I was concerned about. Number one, I didn't want to put all the time and effort. Basically, I'd be like earning a bachelor's degree on my free time at work in real estate investment. That's basically what I would be doing. And I didn't want to do that and, it, and have it be volatile tied to the market as what yeah. happened in 2008. And, you know, ride the wave until it crashed and then be taken down with the crash and have to start all over. That's, that wasn't a sustainable business model for me. And that's why I, I, we eventually moved away from the idea of real estate investing on that level that we were thinking about. So that brought me to my next series of things I looked into. And so I still wanted to keep the idea of real estate investing. And so the next thing I looked into was there were three things. So there are retirement homes. And the reason that is a really great investment right now, I still believe it is, and I would still get into it if I had the capital up front, which is reason A, we're not in there, but it's a great investment right now because baby boomers, mm -hmm. baby boomers are all getting ready to retire. They're getting to the age where they're going to have to start taking out their 401ks and they're getting to the age where their kids are going to have to start shoving them away in homes. And that means retirement homes are about to have a huge uptick in because people are living a few years longer than they used to. So there's going to be more 75 and 85, 80-year-olds and 85-year-olds. No 75 and 85-year-olds. Yeah, no, no 80s. They're, they're all dead. But, <laughs> but, 75 to 85? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, okay. The age you think of someone who's getting ready to move into retirement. So baby boomers are like a glut of people of population, a huge mm -hmm. chunk of our population, and they're all getting ready to move into that age where it's like time to start shoving them away into those homes. And so, <laughs> you like the way I phrase that? It's a terrible visual. I mean, it's time to start moving them into friendly communities That's better. where they can relate with each other on a daily basis and play bingo. Okay. And have meatloaf. So, that is an arrow pointing up. And so I did look heavily into that. And at one point I started learning about the business model and what you would need to look into. And, but that's another thing. You have to either be an expert or have a lot of money. So it's, it's time and energy and money are the two things you need to get into any industry, well, most industries, and we'll get to that. But so you either have to be like, know it front and back, know exactly what you're looking for. And you have to have, you have to know what's called value added. So basically you're not looking to build a retirement home you're looking to overtake a retirement home which mm. you're basically looking for okay 
is this does this retirement home have charge the same cost it was charging 15 years ago if so okay that's value added right there like we need to bring it up to what the standards of today are for charging for rent okay does this retirement home have shitty decor can i replace the walls and the paint to make it look nicer to entice a higher level of client that's another place you can add money does this retirement home have too many employees that are that they shouldn't be like they don't need 20 employees they only need 10 so that's another place you can add value does this retirement home pay their employees too much so do they have employees that are working there for fifty thousand dollars that really should only be making thirty five thousand dollars that's another place to make money so those are the things you're looking to when you're going to get into one of those industries if you can say okay these people haven't raised their rates in 15 years they have 20 employees when they really only need 15 and they're paying their employees ten thousand dollars too much mm -hmm. then you're moving in and you're saying sell that to me so like but you have to know all that shit. Yeah. like you have to know the prices that you should be paying the employees you have to know how much the rent is for the area based on like comparable places in the area like yeah that's a lot yeah can i add a a courtyard with a gazebo okay. you know like instead of just having a big grass lawn there can i add something like that some well, curb appeal exactly like some reason they'll choose my retirement home over the next one you know like but i didn't want to learn all that and i didn't have the money up front and the wherewithal to entice you know because that's that's like that's high level and if i have never made an investment and i work at the post office it's going to be pretty hard unless I know the person personally or my dad knows the person to be like, hey, yeah, just invest, you know, $300,000 in me and we're going to make this much money. Here's my business yeah. plan, even though I don't know what a business plan looks like, you know, so. So I moved on from that. And <laughs> I know this is another info dump episode, isn't it? <laughs> it seems to be. But do well, yeah. is it interesting to you? Yeah, it is. Keep going. Okay. So, right that way. So, retirement homes. Then I looked at storage facilities. Like, mm. like your parents have one. Yeah. It's not in a compound, but they've actually used Oh, those. it's like a, it's a one-off. It's like a standalone. Are you talking about in Geneva? Yeah. I've never seen it. It's, well... Is it just by itself? It's yeah, not it's a, by itself. It's not, oh. I it's in a that. neighborhood. It's, yeah, it looks like, well, Your they remodeled it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we used to call it the garage because it was, it was I kind you of called just it the, the cottage. We do now because they um, renovated it and it, it looks nicer now, but it used so to just like be a, called the garage because uh, my grandpa would store his car there and other things. Cause it's like a house-sized garage, basically. It's a, it's a full, like, so I think it's a two-car garage. I can't believe I don't know this. Yeah, well, I don't know if you've been there. I haven't been there No, years. I've not been there. Well, we should go. I've not been there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but yeah, if my memory is correct, it's like At a one point, you were supposed to live there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now I consider it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, so it's a two-car garage okay. that has space that was they added have two on doors or one giant door? One, I think one giant, but I, okay. I'm not But no that. bathroom. There no is a bathroom. No shower? No shower. Okay. So it's like a half bath. So it's kind of and then, not livable as a home. 
it, yeah, it'd be like upscale, like a cabin, like a, I mean, kind of primitive, because they have right There now, are rooms in it? There's rooms off to the side. So it's yeah, not just I'm big not open. actually able to finish my thought. Well, <laughs> like, I'm not done asking questions. Yeah, well, okay, I guess just answer. <laughs> you finish and let me know when you're done. So it's two-car garage. Connected to it is a, some rooms and a half bath. So I think they have like an area that's kind of like a kitchen with a table and then there's no no questions and then a half bath and then a bedroom refrigerator stove i think they use like an electric hot plate type of a thing like there's electricity glorified bachelor pad yeah but it's so anyway, that's a, ta- a whole tangent, but okay. it's, they do store things there. Taint? No, that's a tangent. whole tangent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So, but they have used storage facilities in the past. Oh. Okay. Which is what we were originally talking about. Right. So storage yeah, facilities. Yeah, back to that. <laughs> no, that was fun. That was informative. I didn't know that stuff. Yeah. So storage facilities. The reason I looked into that next. I wanted something recession-proof because I believe there is a worse recession than 2008 coming. Very briefly. Don't get on that tangent. Let don't me, let me cover it in Just don't. 30 seconds. Fine. We never fully recovered from the 2008 recession. We just dumped a whole bunch more money into the economy, which made it seem and feel like we did, but we didn't. And because we kicked that can down the road, I am... Of the understanding that there's going to be a worse version of that coming probably before the end of the year but anyhow so I wanted that and yeah. for that reason I wanted something that was recession proof yeah. so storage facilities the reason that is recession proof is because when you have a financial a huge financial downturn a lot of people lose their homes and when they lose their homes they don't have a place to store their stuff and the cheapest place to store your stuff is a storage facility because it's cheaper than renting a house to put it in. And so they don't have to just throw their shit in the alley for people to take it. They will, because storage facilities are pretty cheap, but it produces amazing cash flow. So you basically you would buy a storage facility. I can't even... I don't even remember. I probably knew this at some point, but you know, let's say twelve to fifty rental units, and what do you probably let's say you take in a hundred dollars a month, and you probably have on a given good economy day, you might have like let's say sixty percent rented out or something like that. So six thousand dollars a month. I probably did the math wrong, but whatever. Mm-hmm. It's cash flowing. It's recession proof. In fact, it's recession friendly, recession friendly. Exactly. So I was really into that and I looked into that, but again, high cost of entry, which means you either need a lot of money or a lot of knowledge. And when, even if you have the knowledge, you still have to know the right people or take a lot of your personal time to figure out how to get in contact with the right people, which is difficult to do when you have a full-time job. And so I continued to listen to other things, like I learned a lot about that, and then I found mobile home park investing. And that really caught my interest. And I was 
For a lot of similar reasons, I think, as the storage units. Yes. So, recession-friendly. Recession, not recession-proof, but even better, when a recession happens, mobile home parks are the last resort for, for anybody as far as before becoming homeless. So basically, if you're in an apartment, you can't afford an apartment anymore, mobile home parks is the last place you can pay someone. They don't need credit checks. It's like, it's either you're homeless or you live in a mobile home park. So it's like, when a recession comes, mobile home parks, boom. Yeah. And, and there are two models for mobile home park investment. There's one model that is, you just own land, you make the people either supply their own mobile homes or I guess so there there's two and a half investment types. So one is you own the land, you own the mobile home, and the person rents. And that was not the way I wanted to go after I did a lot of research. But you can make a lot of money on it by you you buy a mobile home park, you renovate the mobile homes and there there's basically you can go online and figure out all the best ways to do it with the cheapest stuff that get the highest interest rates or sorry get the highest rental payments as far as like linoleum investing and when you get into that industry you make friends and you get deals and you have a high you make a high profit on that but you're also held liable for all like the damages and when you're dealing with People who live in mobile homes, they, there's a higher rate of damage on the property, and you know they don't take as much care of it because they're not invested in it as much because it's cheap, and so, you know, so that was a whole headache. So I decided against that, and then so there's the other wing is owning the land, but there's two parts of that. So you can buy a mobile home park that has the mobile homes on it, and basically you do a rent-to-own model where you do buy the homes, you do renovate them, but anybody who moves in there is paying you for the land and also paying off the mobile home. And once it's theirs, it's theirs. And once, if they default or they they get uh, kicked out or whatever, you take the mobile home with you and you leave. And then the next person who moves in brings their own mobile home. So that was, I was interested in that, but the real model I was most interested in was just owning the land. And that's basically, you buy the land, any mobile homes that are currently on there either go or are owned by the people who live there, and you're only responsible for the land. So, but there's also complications with that as far as like septic tanks go, and as far as like you have to test the soil, and you know, and there are septic tank mobile home parks, and there are sewer line mobile home parks, and there are complications with both. And yeah, there's a lot of things you don't think about. Yeah, well, and as a random thing mm-hmm. to just just pop in my head, there's even when it's not a recession, there's the whole tiny house movement thing going on too. Right. With with people who have money that would find that appealing. So right. I mean, not saying that went through your mind at all. It just went through my mind now. Yeah. As like that's just kind of a hot new thing. Oh yeah. People. No, in our land business, we get I get inquiries all the time that say, mm-hmm. "Can I put a mo- or a tiny home there?" Yeah, yeah. And the answer is no. Duh. <laughs> it has but to be at least six hundred square feet. But yeah. Well, that's 
At least it, I mean, they're... No, I know. Pretty I know. homes can be. That's relative, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, go so, on. Mobile home park investment. Yeah, so I was super into that. And then there's that same barrier to entry. You either need a lot of money or a lot of knowledge. So what set mobile home parks apart for me from the other two, which I learned a lot more about and was, I was ready to invest to the level that I had asked uh, Russ Morgan, my financial advisor, about it. And I had gotten in contact with a mobile home park investor in Indiana. And we had taken at least one or two steps to working together. It didn't come to fruition. He did try to sell me his mobile home park. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah. But obviously, I didn't have the the capital to do it. Yeah. But so, what set it apart? Do you know how much it would have cost? I think he said. I think it was three hundred thousand. Was that land only, or would you some of the? No, I think it was some of the homes too. Wow. All right. Yeah. I'm just curious. So. Yeah, and. I did a real soft check on a couple people I knew, like real soft, like maybe send a text to one or two people. Cause I don't know. I didn't put, I wasn't going to get compensated for like, if I found a buyer at that point, that was a motivation for me. I probably should have still tried anyway, but anyway, anyway. Um, so what set, what sets mobile home parks apart? I don't know if you know this, they they don't make anymore like it it has to be zoned mobile home park so i don't know if you know this so like the land that we usually buy is like vl yeah which stands for vacant land and it's either residential agricultural industrial or commercial but mobile home mh is its own category and it's i believe it's either super super hard to get re-categorized that way rezoning is hard i think for anything yeah it's either it's either yeah it's either super super hard or they don't do it anymore one or the other so what that means is the number of mobile home parks that exist right now will be the number of mobile home parks unless it goes down which means it's a scarce resource which means price goes up like like diamonds, right? Yeah. Like diamonds are just pieces of shit stones, but because there ain't that many of them, they cost a lot. Did you say ain't? Ain't. I went ain't. Wow. Is that wrong? Is that wrong? <laughs> you live if, that ain't, if that ain't, if that, if that's wrong, I, I ain't want to be right. <laughs> okay. No, but yeah. so since it's a scarce resource, that also means the value arrow is pointing up for them. So, because it's the last mm-hmm. line of home, or, you know, not homelessness, and there's a dwindling amount of them. But can it, can it go up that much if it has to be something that's affordable? No, it's not going to skyrocket, but it means it's only um, going to go up. Okay. It's like a slow burn kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's going to be really it'll go, slow. Yes and no. Yeah, it, well, it's never going to be like, well, because, yeah. Because it has to be affordable for people, otherwise it won't, right? If it's the step yes. above homelessness, I'm just saying. Well, I'm trying to think of the right way to think about this. But, so to the investor, the price 
goes up a lot. Not to the buy, like not to the renter. Okay. Because of the residual, like the guaranteed residual income of it. That makes sense. Yeah. I got it now. So, so yeah, like I said, I was really into that, and so that led me to the Kevin Bupp podcast because Kevin Bupp is a mobile home investor, and I was like, I was like taking notes on numbers, formulas, and like super into it and like that was what we were gonna do and then one day and then one day kevin bupp had mark podolsky on his podcast marky mark marky mark and the funky bunch i guess we're part of the funky bunch yeah we are and mark podolsky invests in land the land geek the land geek mark podolsky he invests in land and land only and he told me that he gets 300 to 1,000% profit off of the land. And you know what else, Liz? What, Noah? He doesn't have to worry about rodents. Whoa. Renters. Whoa. Roofs. <gasps> yeah. He doesn't have to worry about renovating anything. He doesn't have to worry about deadbeat renters. He doesn't have to worry about damages on property. Yeah. Um, and I was really intrigued. <laughs> and Kevin Buck was really intrigued. And Kevin Buck did what I thought I wanted to do. And Kevin Buck seemed almost more interested in Mark Podolsky's business model than his own at the time. Like he was so excited about it, and it made me excited about it because Kevin Buck was already doing what I thought I wanted to do. And I was like, wow. Like, if Kevin Buck is giving this guy real cred and, like, enough to question his own business model, yeah. maybe I should check this dude out. And Mark Podolsky had his own podcast. And so I started listening to Mark Podolsky's podcast. And you know what else is great about Mark Podolsky's model? What? Low cost of entry. Mm-hmm. You know what else? No. Well, yeah, probably. What? You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to know all the information. That's us. That is us. We're broke and we're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> False. But... No, yeah. But so Kevin Buck was so impressed that he literally tried the Land Geek model himself, even though he was probably already a multimillionaire in mobile home park investing. That's how impressed, like, shiny new object impressed. Yeah. And. And I went down the rabbit hole with Land Geek Investing, and I was like, low cost of entry? Check. Don't have to be a super genius? Check. Check. And, like, and I could get in and get all the knowledge I needed from, and, you know, I listened to our, our episode about the Land Geek, and I kind of felt bad because you asked me to talk about the toolkit, and I just, like, shut it down. But... Because you, you said really? you want to talk more about it, and I was like, no, I'm not here to advertise for Land Geek. Like, it sounded kind of negative, and I didn't oh. mean it that way. I just didn't want to, like, put a Get full spot it. in or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, if I remember, it, it just takes some time, and I think it wasn't yeah. where the episode was going either. Okay, Maybe well, I hoped, I hoped it was that way, but, but just when I listened to it again, it sounded kind of like I was shitting on it or something. Oh, and that's not. No. No, that's, I love those guys because they changed my life. Yeah. They changed our life. So, yeah. So, 
I bought the investor's toolkit for, I think, like $1,200, which also included a free trip to the, our first boot camp, which basically changed our lives. Uh, we went to Orlando. And so the toolkit is basically every bit of knowledge and form you'll ever need to buy and sell land. And it has a bunch of video tutorials, which are like five to ten minutes long. Yeah, so I just I listened to the podcast enough to get me convinced, and I decided one day just to, to dive in, and I bought the toolkit and started learning about it, and that was probably a couple months before we did the boot camp. And then when we went to the boot camp, it was just like all in, like we're doing this. Let's let's just do it. Let's let's take a shot. Let's make it happen. And now you know. Ready, fire, aim. Ready, fire, aim. Exactly. So that is. A very long story of how. No, it's like in a nutshell. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bird's eye view. Of... <laughs> so yeah, I, what did I miss? I don't know. I don't know if you can cover more. I. I'm kidding. I love talking about myself. No. Oh, I know you love talking about this stuff. Yeah, I do. Oh. Well, not that many people are interested to ask me, so I got to tell people who. Yeah, won't ask me. me. Yeah, exactly. But so, so if you look at our business model, which basically, if you think about it, we bought a franchise for $1,200. And if you think about that, that's amazing. Because what a franchise is, if you think about it, it's a, it's a series of systems. Okay. And we talked about this earlier Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. So like McDonald's is a franchise and what McDonald's is, is a series of systems that produce predictable results. So you buy all the equipment for McDonald's and it will produce consistent results as far as like hamburgers and chicken nuggets and things like that. And you have predictable prices and you have predictable returns. So McDonald's is a franchise. That so when you invest in it, you can predict outside of like your traffic that comes in, you can predict if you sell X, you will receive Y. And so in a very in a much more loose sense, that's what the land geek, I guess you would say the toolkit is the franchise. So we bought a franchise for twelve hundred dollars and included with it was a boot camp yeah. that basically is valued at five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the travel to get there, but it was the tickets. Yeah, it was the entry. So, so we got all the systems. We got the systems that, if you implement, will pro- will provide you with predictable results. And I was also thinking about this: that basically, when you have a franchise, all you have to do is like follow the steps. A, B, C, D, and you will get result E. Like, and the closer you get to following A, B, C, D, the closer you'll get to E, and E is your profits. So basically, we are following Mark Podolsky's franchise model, okay? And I would assume that Mark Podolsky makes at least $1 million a year. He probably makes more, but we'll just say as a base, I assume he makes at least $1 million a year. And for us, the closer we come to following exactly his model, the closer we come to a million dollars. 
So right now, we probably have a lot of holes in our system, and we're not doing things exact like we do some things our own way, and probably everything we do in our own way is off by how far it is from what how he does it. That's kind of what I think now. Like, so we have an imperfect model of Mark Podolsky's business. Yeah. And the closer we come to being the perfect model of his business, the closer we come to making how much money he makes. So what we should be doing each day and every day in our business is making it a little closer to his business. Is that? Yeah, makes I mean, sense. So every day we make it a little closer. That means we come between, like right now, we're probably, I think we're on track to make like $60,000, $70,000 this year or something like that. And let's say he makes a minimum of a million dollars. So each percent closer we get to that is a percent closer to a million dollars a year. We should hang out with him. We should. I probably will. Mm-hmm. Well, we're hoping to go to another boot camp, right? We're going to go this year. I'm when not going to have a it? job. When is it? It was October. Last time it was in Miami. We'll update yeah. you guys. We'll, we'll yeah. let you know. We'll, we'll research it and we'll let you know. Yeah. We'll, we'll be see there. You guys there. We will see you there. I mean, unless you don't want to be a millionaire or quit your job. Yeah. So. Want to see all those quit heads out there? Heck yeah. We should overtake the land geeks. More quit heads than land geeks. Whoa. That'd be. We should do. Well, okay. So we'll try to do it this year. I'm not anticipating it'll happen, but 2020. Okay. More quit heads than land geeks. <laughs> totally possible. Maybe. Yeah. So, was that. Fully in depth, a full on fully version <laughs> of the decision of, of decision dis- two of the decision two. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like. Did I leave anything This out? is like the longest episode ever. Well, it's going to be two episodes. Okay. Yeah, I think you you really nailed it. Did I? Yeah. Did we? I don't know. You'll have to ask Aaron after he listens. Okay. To the podcast. Well. Thank you, guys. Time to wrap it up. See you wrap next time. Wrap it up. Put a jimmy on it. Thanks for listening to When Can I Quit My Job. Please remember to support the show by visiting whencaniquitmyjobshow.com and clicking the Patreon and Amazon links. Also, subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about us. Liz and Noah are not financial or legal advisors, and all information given on this podcast should be consumed for entertainment purposes only.